Business School. Hi there, welcome everybody. This is the Business School podcast where we talk about emerging trends and topics and things that you may not find in a business textbook. And my name's Daryl Pereira. I am a brand and content strategist here at IBM. Really happy today to be joined by Liam Anderson from University of Miami. And Liam, thanks for joining us today. And just to kick things off, ask you just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to where you are today. Today, like aspirationally, I think of myself as disrupting higher ed from the inside, right? I, I, I do like to employ technology uh, innovation in higher education, which I've been in for about 12 years, and right now focusing on experiential learning programs at University of Miami. So it's, you know, it was a new position, and it's something that a lot of universities, I think, are adopting more and more and, and trying to make sure students are prepared for the real world of work and society and technology and acknowledging that, you know, the stage on stage model and regurgitation test is not maybe the best approach. So I'm here just to make things more uh, real and innovative for the students within the structure of a, an academic program, right? Uh, which is always a challenge. A little bit about my background. Also, I've uh, worked in higher ed for about 12 years. Before that, I also worked in corporate law as a paralegal and financial services marketing and traveled a lot, you know, 60 countries, lived in five other countries, just studying or working. So I'm very global and I always put that lens on everything that we do here. And I'm also doing my DBA, which is like a PhD for working professionals who don't want to be in a career path of uh, research to help connect that research component around sustainability and uh, B Corps to a lot of the work, you know, in experiential learning. So it's an interesting sweet spot that I hope to develop more. Great. And it's, it's say, uh, Liam, had the um, opportunity of doing some work with the University of Miami and the business school there in terms of, and, and one thing that struck me has just been openness of the business students we're going to cover we're going to talk a little bit about ai and some of that topic but we can definitely talk about other emerging trends but in terms of you know in some ways there's a lot happening in this space a lot of, there's not a lot of definition around what you do what the tools are etc how they best fit in in terms of especially in the educational space but also in that business context and i'll say for myself been really impressed by the degree to which the students there at University of Miami have jumped on these projects and have shown a willingness to effectively explore and you know tread new ground. There's not a lot of Harvard Business Review case studies or Harvard Business case studies written in this area, and there's and there's not a lot of textbooks. But I, I've been particularly struck with how open and receptive your students have been to innovation and what's going on around them. Would you say there's anything in terms of guessing that's partly by design, that's not purely by accident? And how do you think about that and in terms of keeping up with innovation in the educational space? So, yeah, to the point about, you know, the willingness to experiment, partially, definitely a result of, you know, our dean is very, our former dean, right, he's, he's left, but the one who created this position and, you know, said experiential learning, very important students are going to do better in their career path if they have more of those real world experiences. And also looking at Miami, you know, as a, a region and geography, it is kind of going through some kind of renaissance now. It has a reputation for, you know, new things being experimented with. It marches to a beat of a different drummer, I think, than a lot of other parts of the, the U.S. So there's definitely kind of a willingness here among 
the school and I think the students and being in this vibrant place to experiment. And of course, tech is part of that, right? And AI and, you know, crypto had a big run here. And now there's kind of a crypto winter, but we'll see. But anyways, specifically in this class, I'm with these students saying that we're not trying to hide or block you from using technology. And the only way you're going to get the most out of these, these experiential learning projects and whatever simulations is to embrace it and use it and probably, of course, fail with it and test it out and see what works and what doesn't work. Uh, and I think the students have been really you know, open to it. And there's all kinds of, you know, conferences that talk, you know, crypto conferences. There's definitely a lot of interest in getting more people to come here to talk about the technology industry because we don't have a big representation here. We had a women in tech panel a couple of weeks ago, which was great. And, you know, it's, it's just creating that environment and putting structure around that environment of using technology and AI in the higher ed space and then just getting students understanding what, what does it mean, you know, to use these and what is the, you know, the nomenclature and the, I want to say the jargon, what is just the, the way that students can explore without really being a techie? Because I think there's misconceptions like, oh, I'm not an engineer. I'm not a techie. I didn't grow up in the Bay Area. I don't know what tech is. No, there's so many things that you can come out of completely different background, be introduced to an AI tool, connect it with your understanding of something and then just go off very quickly in a new direction. Definitely this idea that trying to break this idea that everybody in technology, you know, needs to have a computer science background or anything along those lines. And I see a lot of options opportunities. And it feels like even like you mentioned with the emergence of new technology, especially with AI, that it does open up potential as well for even further than in the past, whether, yeah, there's so many areas, you know, it's, it's business really at one level technology. So that gives you sales, that gives you marketing, finance, so many different areas that go beyond just purely being able to say, build technology and understand coding. But in terms of then, obviously, it's tough to talk about emerging technology without talking about AI and what's going on in that space. So, so let's just, if we spend a bit of time there, in terms of what's your observations in terms of what do you see in terms of what's happening in the AI market and, and what, what does that mean for students, you know, good and bad? Of course, you know, ChatGPT just kind of exploding onto the scene about a year and, and change ago or something around there. And then just being a lot of the extreme growth that it had in terms of active users and then the other products coming apart and and now these these different you know evolutions with different more sophisticated tools that just are built on top of it and can create very specific types of creative content it makes creativity and it makes content creation really easy like scarily easy right but with that it's like you know it's cheesy but with that power comes responsibility right <laughs> Right. So there's there's the need to be critical thinking. Part of our degree programs obviously has to have a lens with anything created or used with AI tools. Does it make sense? Is the data accurate? Are the sources there ethically? Does it make sense to maybe use if you're talking about images, right? Thinking about how the images, what feelings they might convey for the audience if you're doing a presentation or some kind of external marketing like brochure that we use in some of these projects, right? So students creating mock products for market if that's part of their their objective that their client gave them is you know create create a mock uh, new type of smart water drink right and, and then they they do that and they look at designs and everything and they can iterate a lot using ai create you know output tools to create different images based on different types of emotions and then you know there's always something that well it might not really work as an actual physical product <laughs> and that and that okay can they take 
kind of creative and make it something from that. But then I guess there's kind of a limit, right, in terms of how far they can go once they're using output from AI. So that so there's you know if it's not created from scratch, there, there's kind of a limit there, right? So it's good kind of for inspirational tools, but maybe not to create some kind of finished products, right, that they can actually introduce, which I think is interesting. And then there's, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, other tools. And, and I'll just speak to for myself, as I said, I'm still doing my doctoral degree, finishing up my dissertation. And as a lifelong learner and doctoral student, you know, there's all kinds of tools that help with research degrees, like literature stream maps, where you can map out visually an entire literature stream of a, a topic like CSR and see, you know, what are the main seminal research areas and like the branch off ones and see kind of almost like a family tree, what it looks like. And that really helps when you're doing like a literature review, right? For a dissertation, create a narrative around where did this topic start? How has it evolved? And then using things like, I forgot the name, but it's like an instant cliff notes of research papers, right? So it gives you like a snap summary of a very long, boring (laughs) academic paper with lots of data that you don't really care about. And it can summarize it just like that, right? Saving you maybe hours of time scanning it. So two very different, you know, student issues, right? But both very, you know, changed and elevated by AI, but also made more complicated at the same time. I know that there is this concept within the market that obviously there's a lot of discussion around jobs, skills, that area, and especially around AI. And I know that there's certainly this discussion around the idea that these tools plus a human plus these tools is much more effective than a human on its own and then just the tools on its own. And it feels like what you're saying, there, especially you know that example for research and the degree at which business research where you might be looking at CSO, you know, what's been written on, around you know, corporate social responsibility within organizations, even things like that. It seems like a great example of how you can effectively think of it as a tool that can let you do things that you couldn't do before. Maybe the way that a power drill is so much more effective than trying to drive a nail into a wall with a hammer, for instance. Is that what you see? Is that is that something in terms of where you think in terms of also students and how they can make the most of these tools? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're super powerful tools. I think that we've just grasped the surface of them. There's definitely, I think, training. I mean, there's experimentation and training. I, I don't think there's any formal training yet around, you know, how students can maybe use these tools effectively. So we just, we encourage the experimentation, point out where, oh yeah, <laughs> you used it to create a resume, but it, you know, it got some data wrong in your history because we have your original resume here, right? So it, it's, it might've created falsified data or misunderstood data or misunderstood something in your resume if it's trying to match it to a, a job description. I mean, that's a huge thing, trying to like putting your resume in an AI tool saying, putting a job description and saying what kind of resume would be needed or what kind of skills would be needed for this job, right? That's huge, right? That's That makes the whole finding your fit in the job market much, much easier. But again, the students have this very challenging market. They need to get past the ATS uh, tracking mechanism when they're looking for work. And that is meant to keep people out and keep them from decision makers. But those people, again, who see the resume at the end, whether it was created by A or not, the students need to have to stand out some some way, right? Where their, their voice comes out, their experiences come out how they add value can come out because I think more, I'm sure just like people working with students using these tools, I'm sure hiring managers can spot when something has been built up using generative AI. So I think they're good at that and they're going to take that opportunity to call out 
any applicant saying, you know, you know, what is this experience? Explain more. And you always have to have a backup. You have to explain it in real time during an interview. And, and that's the point of the experiential learning is to give them that, <laughs> that ability to pivot and adapt no matter how great their, their marketing materials look, their personal marketing materials, to be able to inject it with something that says, I suffered through this, you know, 500 hour project and I, you know, interviewed 10 different suppliers to help my client get a foothold in the U.S. for their product coming from Chile or whatever. And that is something that no AI can write about, but I can tell you the story because it's not anywhere on the Internet. It's just, it's just in my head. And this is what I experienced. I think it's a really interesting point, this idea as well, that as you're saying, that maybe whether you're a educator grading papers or whether you're a hiring manager looking at resumes, as this technology is increasingly used, you get to notice, you you know, it's it's uh, as an individual, you may think, oh, this is great. I've just got this thing just to write my paper and now I submit it. Because that bar is low and because if a percentage of people go and do that thing, then the person that's looking at it will see those We'll see those patterns, right? And so it becomes increasingly important to think about how you as an individual can stand out, how if, even if you're using these tools, right, how you can make the most of them. And to that degree, I know the, um, you touched on this idea of experiential learning, and that feels like that, that potential, like you're saying, that's an area that if a student themselves, if a business student has been embedded into business and has had that real life experience, that's not something that you can really get an AI to replicate or to reproduce. And so in terms of how you deal with that, is that, you know, how do you think of that in terms of making that point and maybe give some examples as well of the kind of experiential learning and, and what do you think, where do you think this could lead? Do you think this will become more important as time goes on? Yeah, I think, um, you know, prior to this role, I worked in some workforce development programs that are kind of halfway between a degree and a boot camp, right, where they take, you know, obviously very bright students who maybe don't have the financial means, don't come from the right backgrounds to be able to afford a, a full four-year degree or two-year master's degree and put them in through a very condensed, you know, soft skills and hard skills training program to put them on a route to get a living wage job, right, at a company, large or small, that can lead into, you know, potentially a management job if they, and maybe they go back to school later on, whatever, but it gets them on that track. And those, those programs are super experiential. I mean, they're not only high touch in terms of coaching and the mentorship that goes into, right, working with these students who are, who are very bright and very motivated. They've got hustle. And that's something that, you know, is absolutely required is, you know, you got to have hustle and you got to have drive and desire to, to be in the job market and to, your best foot forward. But, um, you know, when they're rough around the edges, having that instant feedback is really important. And you only get that through those in-person coaching mentorship sessions. So I think those are super important. And so that, you know, those students that are benefiting from those environments, whether it's in a university or in a, a workforce development program, will have kind of that leg up because they'll, they get that instant reflection instead of maybe writing a reflection paper, which is important. To kind of think back, you know, having that instant course correction, I think makes you very, very aware of yourself and maybe your strengths and your limitations. And when you're in an interview, that helps a lot to be able to read people. Emotional intelligence comes in here. How is somebody reacting to something you say? You know, people make judgments on you, you know, in the first, what, probably less than five seconds. <laughs> right? And then just being able to pivot, um, you say something, you see someone's facial expression. I mean, I think in the future, maybe AI will be doing this for us <laughs> with headsets, but now it still takes that emotional intelligence that 
that human aspect and to be able the ability to read the room to be able to to stand out and and to make an impression on an employer, manager, a client. So yeah, I, I think those things don't go away. But I think AI eventually will make those things will democratize almost those things, right? I think it'll be able to help people act more human when we get to those kind of wearable tools <laughs> that, that can actually help them in real time. Interestingly, you touch on soft skills as well, and it's something that we cover quite a lot on this podcast, but sometimes that those are maybe less easy to define, codify, and to really spell out. But it, based on what you're saying, you know, the way you think of something like, for instance, as you, I think you alluded to this earlier, this idea of critical thinking as a you know, how you can look at these tools and how you'll be able to look at the output from a tool and think about, okay, well, this is okay. It's got some of it. Maybe it's missing. It doesn't have the personality that I thought it should have or it doesn't have these pieces. Do you think these tools can in some ways enhance just, into, you know, that degree to which some of the soft skills in business, I guess, either can help students develop those or also can be a case for the need for those if all the baseline stuff is covered you know if all the the degree to which if you're using it to write your resume and some of those aspects as as, as many other students may be or many other applicants might be then you feel like that some of these other areas become more important is that the case that's a hard question i think we're just understanding that too is how these ai tools are changing the way students interact and communicate right maybe non-verbal as well as verbal. And just thinking too of this, this new device, right? The wearable, what is it called? AI pin or something. <laughs> I think if something like that takes off and there is kind of a retreat from handheld phones, will students then be more aware? Because right now I feel they're not very aware, you know, in a classroom, everybody will be on a laptop when the teacher is talking or um, looking on their phone. So you, you don't get a presence, right? You don't get a feeling of presence in a lot of these classrooms or situations where maybe there's a speaker or a presentation. And of course, the speakers notice that, the professors notice that, the company presenting notices that. They usually see that as, as rude, right? And I think that is being communicated to students that phones down, laptops down, you need to be present. These are good soft skills, eye contact, active listening, like showing somebody that you are listening. So those, of course, seem to have gone down also with the pandemic and the switch to virtual, I think that even made them go down even more, right? Because we do see students coming who we can call them pandemic generation or COVID generation, <laughs> probably not a great label, but they don't really function well in real world in-person environments. They're okay with Zoom once they have their camera on anyways, different story, but um, they, they struggle, right? In real world environments, especially job interviews, and especially just meeting people that they're not familiar with. So having some technology. So I'm, I'm thinking now AI tools, which have maybe some, again, physical real worlds, whether it's augmented reality or something that kind of helps them be more present. I think, I feel like this is, this is coming because employers are demanding better soft skills. Leaders have to be good at communicating. You can't be a good leader just looking at your phone or using your laptop. So I feel like the market will create tools that will help students do that. No, that's fascinating that these tools can play a role in helping to build those soft skills as well. I know, I know we see it in terms of, you know, from the IBM side, we have a platform, our generative AI platform is What's an X. And one of the key use cases is around 
customer service and that side of the world. And, you know, and, and it's really looking at, again, it's an area that has a lot of communication, nuance. So it goes a lot more beyond just, okay, just fulfilling somebody's, just answering a question. And I think that's where we're seeing a lot of the movement in terms of where we've had chatbots in the past, but they've tended to be more question answer based. Whereas now the, the tools seem to be getting better and we're seeing a lot of developments happening around things like, okay, you know, even if it could just be pure text-based system, it can start to detect and be more accurate at detecting when there's levels of frustration and things like that, where then, it, okay, AI is not working here, time to hand it over to maybe second line support, which can be a human to, to jump in. But it feels like, yeah, you know, and where we see AI used for, for around things like even mental health and some of those areas, maybe by extension, there could be areas in which it can help facilitate some, you know, very, as you're pointing out, a very important soft skill, which is communication, right? You may have the best ideas in the world. A big part of business is how you can get those ideas out and how those you can get others to come along with your ideas. Yeah, and having that that charisma, I think, right? That that's something that is, and and there's all kinds of studies in leadership that said that stuff can be taught. It's not only inherent. I think there's definitely inherent traits that make people better leaders. But I think most of leadership, good leadership, can be taught. And um, reading books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? Very classic books like that, which are still very important today, like a hundred years later after it was originally written, which is. Shocking, and <laughs> it's still kind of useful and recommended by leadership trainers. Thanks, Liam. As, as you're explaining, there's areas like experiential learning which become more important as we see emergence of tools like AI. Can you give some what, what examples and what, you know what's going on in the world of experiential learning that you see? Are there some interesting developments there? You know, here we're, we're doing these capstone projects which focus on you know business and corporate strategy, creating a new marketing strategy, or creating a a market entry strategy like for a foreign company. And then there's other areas where they are focusing on sustainability. And we have an opportunity to kind of look at how companies, especially small businesses, can, you know, while they're still working on scaling and growing and and understanding their their audience, you know, at the same time become kind of comprehensively sustainable and focusing on topics like shared value and making sure whatever they're doing is under the umbrella of the sustainable development goals. And then the B Corp movement, B Corporation movement, of course, is one of those areas where there's a lot of companies seeing that if they start with, while they're still young, putting sustainability and social impact into their value chain, you know, it looks at everything from the community, the context around the company, the workers who are there, how are they treated? The customers, what are the services and, and the quality of product and, and, and support? And also the governance, right, is the fourth bucket. And then finally, the environment is the fifth bucket, right? And so it looks very holistically, the, the ecosystem around the company. And then the company goes through a very kind of comprehensive audit where it looks under the cover and says, how are you treating these suppliers? You know, what are your scope emissions from all of these different activities? How are your workers doing? Is your, are your operations having any negative impacts on your surrounding community? And through this you know, audit, it makes sure that not only are they doing good to all these stakeholder groups, right? Stakeholder capitalism, but they're on a path to continuously improve in all these areas, right? And it's, it's a multi-industry, so any industry can become part of this B Corp community uh, once they go through the audit process and, and, and reach the score, right? It, it's, it's a scored process. So 
uh, experiential learning comes in because there's a lot of companies who want to be come to these B Corps and they want to join this community, which is now global. I think it's like 7,000 companies uh, global, maybe about 3,000 and change in the US. And there's a demand, but there's not as much understanding about how can a company become this, right? How can it be a B Corp? So the students have been forming consulting teams under different mentors from either current B Corp owners and, and faculty who are kind of sympathetic and know about the cause and are also studying it, maybe kind of like I am. And then creating these projects where the students learn about the audit and also they be, they become more knowledgeable in general about you know the SDGs in the bigger context of CSR and ESG. And then they help the companies right through you know a structured consulting project become capable of reaching the threshold in order to become a B Corp. And companies, you know, they'll have different priorities depending on industry. One might want to focus on their greening their supply chain, one might want to focus on on making, you know, their products circular, right? So it, it really is flexible. So the company can say, hey, you know, we need we want to get more research on, you know, the circular economy product. And and the, the students can then say, okay, this is our target. They look through kind of the value chain. So they really can work with the company, understand the business. It helps the students understand the business. And then some of the things that need to change in the value chain for a company to meet these sustainability goals and be able to pass the certification. So the goal, of course, is they get certified as a B Corp. Uh, the students get great uh, real world experience. Maybe they, you know, they get a job or at least it helps them indirectly, you know, be more employable. And, you know, so it is very much a win-win from that perspective. And this is kind of something that's been growing kind of organically at different universities. And, you know, I just attended a training yesterday, meeting a lot of the, you know, the faculty and, and business owners that are part of this community and just trying to get it to grow. Uh, so we're hopefully going to bring something uh, like this B Corp, it's called B Impact Teams type of project capstone to our to university and hopefully, you know, be able to contribute to this kind of growing movement because B Corps, you know, they're all over the, the country and the world. And there, there is a demand because companies know that it's important. Business Roundtable Proclamation in 2019 talked about it. Uh, so everything from Fortune 500 to, you know, small businesses, even startups, one, two or three people, right? It's something that is they're thinking about. And so this is a, this is a road way for them to get onto that sustainability, sustainability path early and comprehensively. So hopefully that'll come in the future. You've got a, a depth of experience uh, looking at emerging technology, especially from the academic side. Do you see certain things that are happening in this space? You know, we tend to look quite specifically at AI, but are there, there ways in which you think that these things can be, you know, maybe extrapolated out and thought of in terms of how we, either in terms of how this is unfolding or in terms of how we use these tools? Is there something there that is that there are any kind of universals or, you know, patterns and processes that you'd recommend? There's no silver bullet that's going to do it for them. It's going to take experimentation. And I think just looking, because I got to put a global lens on everything. I'm always thinking of everything in terms of what do people in France do and in Vietnam and Brazil, right? How, how are those cultures successful at what they do, right? A lot of them have great entrepreneurs who just are very scrappy in the way they are able to get things done, <laughs> right? And I feel like sometimes there's so much to learn just from you know, going abroad and, and visiting, talking to a small business owner who like runs a pop-up shop or like a, a street food cart, right? Because they have all these little hacks to be able to make their business work in the context that it does and they pivot. And, you know, now they're all using digital 
payment tools, you know, they're probably they're not taking cash, right? So everybody, you know, tapping their phone and they're one of the first, com- you know, businesses to use that, right? So being able to just be seeing what works for you, whether you're a student or a young business owner, kind of like what is your pain point in your your day to day? And what is that kind of tool? Again, right, these are all technology is supposed to help us find solutions. So like, what is that solution? And what is the technology that can help me make that solution to to make my my life or <laughs> my job search or my starting a business process so much easier and smoother. I think it's just like, it's thinking working backwards, right? From the solution perspective, then just, oh, here's a new tool, here's a tool, because there's so many. And I don't think any of us can really parse them in an effective way. So you just gotta, I think, kind of reverse engineer, how does this help my life? <laughs> and then look for those things. Appreciate you taking the time. It's Leon Anderson from the University of Miami heavily involved with the business school programs, especially as it relates to experiential learning and, and helping students, preparing students for, the, uh, for their careers, this next generation of leaders. So appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening. This is the Business School Podcast. We cover some of the latest and emerging trends in technology. Subscribe to keep up and to hear more conversations like this. My name's Daryl Pereira. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.